It's the show the establishment warned you about. Welcome back. It's the Dr. Tommy Show. Glad you're here broadcasting from the free state of Florida from Echelon Health Studios. How are you? We weren't here last week, so there's a lot of stuff to go over. A big stack. It's stack includes Trump, and uh, go, we're going to go over Trump's arrest briefly, and also the interview with Trump uh, with Tucker, Tucker Carlson, and then we'll also go over some of the GOP debate and give some grades as given by American Greatness, uh, and then also we'll cover some of this uh, new stuff having to do with AI, and I had some fun with AI talking to it, asking it some questions to determine if it was indeed biased, and it was biased. Of course it was. And then we'll give some crime updates and some societal collapse updates. So start off with Trump. Trump was arrested last night, as you all know. He was uh, mugshotted, first time in history. And this is supposed to be, according to the mainstream media, a day of uh, day of great despair for our country. Because as we have now elected this derelict president now in the past, who has now been arrested and have a mugshot. And this is just supposed to make us feel like we're ashamed of him. And uh, we could never believe we voted for him. And if, if we were thinking about voting for him before, we're definitely not going to vote for him now. And it's had the opposite effect, obviously. Because the reason why is because the people who think that also don't understand how songs like Rich Men North of Richmond, which is by Oliver Anthony, how that music is so popular that it became the number one charter on iTunes, when clearly this guy is some uh, out-of-touch, ignorant rube uh, who just has this uh, weird uh, country music song. That Why would anybody like that? And that's what the elites can't figure it out. And we'll go over some of that later. But the elites can't figure out why anybody would stick with Donald Trump now, especially since he's been arrested four times. We're supposed to know that he's unfit he's unfit to be president again he was unfit to be president before and those of us who voted for him before should have known that and if we didn't know it now then we should know it now after these four arrests and now he's had his mugshot done and fanny willis the great uh, legal scholar is going to prosecute 19 individuals i believe it is or 18 under rico statutes interestingly she's going to prosecute probably the the most famous rico prosecutor in history rudy giuliani under rico statutes um which is it's it's, it's not this will never come to trial most of these people will never see a day in trial because it's just it's too complex it's too big and um it's not a rico case i'm no lawyer but if you're asking someone to watch tv which Donald Trump did, and they included that as part of your charges for RICO. I just don't see how that's going to hold up. Um, but anyway, so but they, they have this thing where they have these people who are who, who are putting Donald Trump through all this, and they think that that's going to make Donald Trump less popular, and it's doing the opposite, it's making him more popular. And what the goal of the media to do now is to say, how do we convince these people that they are on the wrong side of history? How do we convince them that they are to be uh, embarrassed? They should be embarrassed by Donald Trump and not not want to have anything to do with him. Definitely don't want to vote for him. And we should be running to the arms of Joe Biden, who Joe Biden is this uh, grandfatherly figure who is restoring normalcy to the United States, now restoring um, respect to the United States on the global stage. 
And in actuality, the reason that we aren't running to Joe Biden and the reason that people aren't running from Donald Trump in mass is because people are not stupid. People are not stupid and they can see that there is a double standard. They can see that Donald Trump has been prosecuted for things that people would not have been prosecuted before for before, including, uh, you know, the documents handling situation where he was the president and has certain uh, powers given to him as president to have things that are classified in his possession and by definition become unclassified when he takes them because he is the president. So you have that, and then you have a person like Joe Biden, who as a senator and vice president did not have those powers, yet has classified documents of his own, and absolutely nothing's happened with that. Nothing. Nothing will happen. And so people pay attention to that. Some people do. And the key for the media is to try to get those people who are paying attention to overcome their initial uh, suspicions and say, well, the Department of Justice is corrupt because they're not prosecuting Joe Biden, but they are prosecuting Trump. And Joe Biden is uh, walking free and his son's walking free. And all these uh, apparent crimes that they have done or have not been investigated at all. But you're supposed to not believe that you have to be gaslit. But the problem is, is the media cannot gaslight people enough. There is not enough of a hold on the minds of people globally or nationally to accomplish that. There is enough. There are enough people out there who don't need to be gaslit. But there are some out there who are the, 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 the people who are supporting Trump now after all of this. They have to be gaslit into thinking that Donald Trump is a bad guy. Joe Biden's a good guy. You have to abandon this guy. And you have to go with one of the people from the GOP that we're going to pick. And that was what the peanut gallery debate was all about. <clears throat> and this is a um, this is a article from American Greatness from Eric Lindrum. It's called Grading the Peanut First Peanut Gallery Debate. And he is talking about all of the other people who are running for president who made the uh, debate stage for the first debate and it was broadcast on Fox News and it was a uh, Vivek 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 Ramaswamy Tim Scott uh, Ron DeSantis Governor of Florida Nikki Haley uh, Chris Christie Mike Pence Asa Hutchinson and Doug Burgum and he gives a great solemn um, I'm not going to read through all of this but I will go over a little bit of it he gives Vivek Vivek Ramaswamy an A and the reason he says he's got an A is because basically Vivek was the guy who was going to uh, be unashamed to raise his hand when it said when he was asked uh, when it was asked of the audience or I'm sorry of the panel who here is going to support further uh, funding of Ukraine war and who was against it and the person who was against it was Vivek and he he uh he raised his hand immediately. And so this is one of the reasons that he uh, got an A from uh, Eric Lindrum. But also just because of his general presence there. Uh, who else was in there? Tim Scott got a C plus. Uh, who else? Ron DeSantis got a C. Uh, Nikki Haley got a C minus. And let's see who else there is. Chris Christie got a D. Um, it says, 
This is from an article. The former New Jersey governor's strategy has always been to take up as much of the, quote, never Trump lane as possible, and that he absolutely succeeded. But the uselessness of this doomed strategy was made evident every time Christie made another obligatory declaration of his hatred of President Trump, receiving the loudest and longest boos of the night when he accused President Trump of, quote, normalizing conduct that he considered, quote, beneath the president of the United States. So that was uh, Chris Christie's basic tact was to attack Trump, who was not there. And uh, it did not go over well with the audience, apparently. Mike Pence got a D minus. Uh, Mike Pence's performance, from what I've seen of the clips, I didn't watch the whole debate. Or I watched very little. I watched just clips of it, basically. He seemed like the very typical wooden, uh, uncharismatic, programmed type of uh, presidential candidate from decades and maybe years past to include John McCain. Uh, and Mitt Romney. And these are guys who uh, basically have the memorized phrases, as Vivek Ramaswamy accused them of, having memorized their uh, punchlines and uh, gives it in a very robotic fashion and without any passion. And also, on the uh, Ukraine side of things, Mike Pence is probably the most wholehearted um, supporter of continued fighting in Ukraine, continued bloodshed in Ukraine, continued spending in Ukraine to, quote, beat Russia, whatever that means. It says here, on the heated Ukraine debate, Pence took the neoconservative stance that we must fund Ukraine in order to prevent some hypothetical Russian march across all of Europe, suggesting that an approach of reducing foreign aid in order to focus more closely on domestic problems was, quote, a small presumption of the small of the United States. When Vivek fired right back, Pence then made the bold claim that, quote, if we do if we do the giveaway to Putin, as you want to do, he'll roll right over a NATO roll right over a NATO border. Vivek quickly refuted this with a very simple news flash. The USSR does not exist anymore. Pence was then completely upstaged in the self-righteousness of the neocon department by Nikki Haley. So I guess Nikki Haley came out even more so from uh, the uh, pro-war standpoint the pro-Ukraine war standpoint. So Asa Hutchinson got an F. It says Hutchinson suffered greatly from the fact that the anti-Trump stick, whilst already deeply unpopular with the base, was done even better by Christie. Plus the fact that Asa Hutchinson is again a wooden cutout of a politician running for president. Doug Burgum got an F-, and it's mostly because no one knows who the hell Doug Burgum is. It says the real winners was Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson, who got A+. Now, when we, do, we kind of cruised over Ron DeSantis uh, and Tim Scott. <clears throat> Both of those guys, from what I've read, didn't do terrible, but didn't do great either. And I've always said that why I, th- I like Ron DeSantis, and I think he could run successfully against Joe Biden. I don't think he should have ever run for president this cycle because no one's beaten Trump this cycle. And by doing this, this cycle, the only thing that you're going to do is hurt yourself. And I said that from the from the get go. I did come out and say that I think he had a better chance against Biden than Trump. I think that still I think that still if if DeSantis somehow was able to get the nomination, I still think versus Biden, he would be in a better position to beat Biden, not because DeSantis is more popular than Trump, but because the apparatus apparatus to get Trump is so much stronger than it is to get DeSantis. And they have been able to, for 12 years now, or was it eight years? 
they have been able to drag Trump down through the mud so thoroughly that there are people out there like cul-de-sac moms, cul-de-sac wine moms who will not vote for Trump. No matter how much he's persecuted, no matter how unfair it is, they will not vote for Trump because they don't like him. Anyway, back to the point of it, though, I don't think DeSantis can beat Trump. So you get to a point of where it doesn't matter if you can beat Biden better in the general, if you can't get past the preliminary. DeSantis can't beat Trump in the in the primary. He may have a better shot against Biden in the in the general, but that's not going to happen. There was a there was a similar situation back in the 1970s. It was Muhammad Ali was the champion again. This was in 1976, I believe. Muhammad Ali was the champion again, having deposed uh, George Foreman in 1974 in Zaire, Africa, with an eighth round knockout. Prior to that, George Foreman was the champion, having crushed, absolutely demolished Joe Frazier. And it was in his first or second defense, I can't remember which it was. I think it was the second defense against Ken Norton, who was a very formidable heavyweight contender of the day. One of the best fighters of the 1970s. Big, muscular guy. They called him the Black Hercules. Anyway, this guy was muscle-bound. This guy was a great tactician in the in the boxing ring so much so that he beat Muhammad Ali and broke his jaw uh, in 1972 subsequent to that he was beaten by Ali on a very close split decision so this guy was smart this guy was uh, intelligent he was strong and he got absolutely demolished in two rounds again the same nearly same brutal fashion as Joe Frazier did by George Foreman. So what does that have to do with this situation I talked about with Pence and Trump? I'm sorry, with um, DeSantis and Trump. So George Foreman beat Frazier. He knocked out Ken Norton, who was the contender for the heavyweight championship in two rounds. Ali comes around. He knocks out Foreman. So now we have a setup now where Ali is the champion again. And Ali is defending his title. And one of the people who wants another shot at the title is uh, Ken Norton. And another person who wants a shot at the title is George Foreman. Well, in order to get to uh, the shot at the title again, George Foreman, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Ali was going to have to defend against Norton if he didn't get if he didn't get a shot at the title again. So what he did was he set up a situation where he would avoid Ken Norton until Ken Norton had to fight somebody else who would be there for able to knock out Ken Norton. And that's what happened. And Ken Norton was beaten and he was never able to fight Ali again for the title. So the point is, if you can't get past the preliminary to get to uh, the final showdown, when you think you can beat the guy, it isn't going to matter. And Ken Norton was uh, not able to fight Ali again for the title, except uh, he did fight again for the title in the third time, but he was not able to fight one more time after that. He was actually knocked out by Ernie Shavers. So there was supposed to be a fourth fight between Ali and uh, Ken Norton. So anyway, back to the story is Ron DeSantis can't get past Trump. So there's no way he's going to be able to fight Biden in the final in the um, in the uh, in the general election. Uh, What else do we have here? So that was it. Here's some stuff, though, from uh, the. interview that Tucker had with Donald Trump. This is some pretty funny stuff. This is uh, the night before the, no, the night of the debate. This is 
Oh, cheat. yeah, sure. It's their whole point. That's their whole point. They want to cheat. Yeah. They have to cheat because their policies are so bad that if they didn't cheat, they couldn't get elected. Who wants open borders? Who wants high taxes? Who wants high interest rates? Who wants to not be able to use a gas stove? Or have to drive an electric car, which, you know, you have a four-hour drive, but the car only goes an hour and a half, so you have to charge it. The happiest... So this is the important part that we have to understand about the way that they have to frame things is they have to frame things in a way that get people to vote for them. But the thing is, is the things that they're trying to get people to vote for, the vast majority of people don't want to vote for. So he's talking about who wants to uh, drive a... Uh, who wants to drive an electric car? He talks about who wants to have a gas stove ban. And the only way they can get through this is to have unfair elections or elections that aren't on the level. And that's what this question was about, is about uh, uh, voter IDs. And so Trump is making this point that in order to win the election, the Democrats have to do things that are not on the level. Um and that's part and parcel of what the strategy is going to be going forward. So the strategy is going to be to sully Trump as much as possible and then to reinstate the game plan from previous, which was flood the flood the ballots uh, with uh, uh, mail mail in ballots, um, absentee ballots, ballots from nursing homes where people haven't voted in four election cycles are suddenly voting 100 percent of the time. Um and that's going to be the strategy going forward. And that strategy is going to apply towards anyone, whether it's Donald Trump or Joe Biden, I'm sorry, or Ron DeSantis or anybody who could possibly make it out of the uh, Republican field. But um, so that's what we haven't done as a, as a party, that is, is try to figure out how to beat that part of it. And that's what they were talking about here, because nobody wants to vote for the things that they want. But they push that because that's their ideology their their ideology to remake america remake civilization essentially and uh no one wants it so they have to push it in a way uh or they have to achieve it in a way that's not on the level this is more about the electric cars that he was starting to talk about there or have to drive an electric car which you know you have a four-hour drive but the car only goes an hour and a half so you have to charge it the happiest moment for somebody in an electric car is the first 10 minutes. In other words, you get it charged, and now for 10 minutes. The unhappiest part is the next hour, because you're petrified that you're not going to be fine to another charger. People, I'm saying, if people, I'm not knocking electric cars, they're fine. They're fine. But if people want to buy a gasoline car or a hybrid, hybrids are pretty good, actually. But they should be allowed to buy. They don't want to do any of this. So right now, California's in a big brownout because so this, their grid is a disaster. The grid all over the country. This is the important thing to know about these electric car situations because people don't want these. People don't want them unless they can be given them, unless they can buy them with a, uh, um, a subsidy from the government, $7,000. Left to their own, the market would not sustain this because, like I said, who, like Trump said here, who wants to drive an electric car as their only option? Do you want to do a road trip with an electric car? I mean, there's some people out there who want to do a road trip with an electric car, but do you want to be forced to do a road trip with an electric car? Is it easier to fuel up in, in two minutes, five minutes tops? Or is it easier to electrify your car in 30 minutes in the best case scenario? I've never gone on a road trip. I've never even driven an electric car. And like Trump, I have nothing against electric cars. If someone were to 
uh, make an electric car that was affordable, that I could drive around town, I may actually buy one. But as it stands, in order to make your money back on an electric car, I read an article where basically you have to wait 10 years. So you make your money back on gasoline, reduced maintenance that they talk about and everything on your electric car after about 10 years. Because what you have to factor into your electric car is electricity still costs something. It's not free. They make it seem like, um, you know, once you get rid of your gas car, basically you're driving for free. You're not. You're paying for electricity. And now the electricity per unit apparently is less than gas at this point in time. But what happens with supply and demand? When you get more demand, if you get more electric cars on the road, just like you started here talking about the brownouts in California, you know, if you could get the electricity, let's say the grid can get you enough electricity, okay? But it's only enough for a certain amount of electric cars. Well, the only way to uh, economically uh, distribute that is to raise the price when you have a supply and demand issue. So let's say you do have enough supply. And the demand is such that it's going up. Well, the price is going to go up. So right now, it is cheaper to drive an electric car per unit uh, with the um, with, with electricity versus gas. But it's not going to be necessarily in the future when more people are driving electric cars. Because like I just said, the price will go up. So anyway, you have this situation where uh, you know people are being forced into buying electric cars and they don't want them. But that is the iron hand of government, and that is the, the way of the left, is to force things on people who maybe they don't want it. And they, they just can't, they can't help themselves. Uh, so, you know, back to the thing with Trump and the voters who are going to vote for Trump. So there's this guy out there called Anthony Olson. No, he's out there called Oliver Anthony. And he is out there, and he is um, a guy who is a singer, and he has a song called Richmond, North of Richmond. And so here's a little bit of his song, Richmond, North of Richmond. It starts right off, gets right to the point of why he sees the problem, what he sees as the problem. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away. What the world's gotten to For people like me People like you Wish I could just wake up And it not be true But it is Oh it is Living in the new world With an old soul These rich men North of Richmond Lord knows it all Just wanna have total control Wanna know was a perfect distillation of the argument against the left and the globalists and elites in general and that includes elites in the republican party it says i've been working it says i've been selling my soul working all day overtime hours for bullshit pay so i can sit out here and waste my life away drag back home and drown my troubles away it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to from people like me and people like you so he's talking to people like him. He's not talking to people over at National Review who write derogatory comments about this or people who live around Richmond. 
He's talking to people who are in the flyover country. He's talking to people who are voting for Trump, despite the fact that he's been arrested four times. It says, uh, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me and people like you. Wish I could just wake up and not make it true. I wish I could wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is. Living in a new world with an old soul. These rich men north of Richmond, Lord knows they all just want to have total control. And that's the back part to a part about the electric cars. They want total control. You, you don't know enough. You don't know enough about energy. You don't know enough about the climate. You don't know enough about money. You don't know enough about, uh, you know, hedge funds. You don't know enough about futures markets and things like that. So you need to be put into an electric car, despite what you may have uh, uh, feelings about, about, you know, not being able to get to where you need to go without being uh, running out of a charge, despite what you may think about the inconvenience of having to charge your car for at least uh, 30 minutes, but most likely for several hours, even many, many hours. You don't know enough about that. So they want to have total control. They want to know what you think, want to know what you do. That's back to everything that has to do with the Hoover's boys and uh, the AI and, uh, and um, tech people, you know, monitoring you at all, at all the times, you know, cookies in your browsers and everything else. Whenever you, uh, you speak uh, about something, it pops up on your email to go buy it. And they don't know, and they don't think you know, but I know that you do. Now that's the key right there, and that's Trumpism in in a, in a in a sentence. That's Trumpism in a sentence, and they don't think you know, but I know that you do. So the elites don't think that you know all of this stuff because, like I said, you're in flyover country. You did not go to Harvard. You did not go to Yale. You are not a congressman. You are not a head of a super PAC. You are not a uh, manager of a hedge fund. You don't have all the insight that these people have. And, and they don't think you know, but I know that you do. So he's saying, look, I know that you do. I am like you. And this is what makes these people dangerous, Trump, uh, Oliver Anthony. These people are people who are going to be uh, opening the eyes of others. People who are maybe walking around, not really paying attention just trying to live their life. Like he says, overtime hours for bullshit pay who, who can't, who can't relate to that. I mean, a lot of people can relate to that, but the number of people who can relate to that overtime hours for bullshit pay aren't necessarily understanding how they're being manipulated either. And you kind of got a guy like Oliver Anthony come around with a popular song like this. And suddenly it's dangerous because it is opening up the eyes of people. The same with Trump doing this interview with Tucker Carlson talking about electric cars. You know, people like that people think that. Now, you can't ever get that from the uh the, the let's say if you had that question, they actually had a question about this, I think in the debate. Do you believe that global I think it was climate change. Do you believe that climate change is caused by man? And uh so this was one of the debates. You're supposed to raise your hand. That's the other thing about these Fox News, this Fox News debate. It seems so old watching it, even though it had just happened. But in the context of where we're at in the situation, the political environment we're in, this this struggle that we have against um, the powerful, the elites, the World Economic Forum types, 
the people who are north of Richmond, living there, manipulating things, making laws, regulations, and things like that. And then you turn on this debate stage, uh, turn on this debate with Fox News the other night, and you have all these guys up there and lady in uh, their suits. They're all matching suits. They're perfectly lit. They're all smiling with their, you know, biggest Cheshire cat smile that they can have. And uh, then they ask a question like, um, you know, do you believe climate change is uh, caused by man? And you're supposed to raise your hand. And they ask another question, uh, who here would uh, pardon Donald Trump? And they all raise their hand. But when you look at that, it just seems so out of place today. It, as if it, is, it only happened at that moment in time, but automatically seemed so old because it was from the old style of the way GOP did things. It was from the old style of the way presidential politics were before Trump. Because when Trump came along, he participated in the debates initially because he had to because he was trying to win the nomination. But he's beyond that now. And I think American people are beyond that now. American people don't want to tune in and see this pre-programmed bullshit questions about the climate change. They're not worried about that. They're not worried about that. There was a report in a Breitbart. I got it here in the stack somewhere. Um, said that there was no questions about inflation during the debate. No questions about inflation. They talked about Ukraine 23 times, I think they said. 23 times Ukraine was brought up, but not one question about inflation. Now you tell me, except for the Richmond, north of Richmond, and the political elites and the uh, economic elites living on the coasts and in the big cities, but the people out there working overtime hours for bullshit pay, do you think they give much care about Ukraine? And if they do, do you think they care 23 times more about Ukraine than they do about inflation? And yet this is what you got from this programming. You got... 23 uh, times that Ukraine was brought up, according to this article, and zero times inflation was brought up. Well, I can tell you, people working overtime hours for bullshit pay are much more concerned about inflation than they are about Vladimir Zelensky and how many more billions of dollars he needs so that he can send his men to go get lit up by artillery by the Russians. What is the point of this war? And that's the other reason that Trump is being persecuted and prosecuted now except for Vivek 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 Ramaswamy he's the only guy running for president now who is steadfastly against continuing a war in Ukraine and Russia between Ukraine and Russia he is against it continuing this war but everybody else including DeSantis is not able to articulate that they have a definite aversion of that. Now, there'll be varying degrees. Well, we need to have more, um, you know, we need to have more oversight of the spending of this. Bullshit. We need it to end. We need it to end from our standpoint. Let's put it that way. We need it to end. And don't give me this thing about, well, we care so much about uh, the innocence in Ukraine. Okay, well, go to uh, half of the uh, countries in Africa that are having civil wars and tell me, how much do you care about the innocents being slaughtered there? You know, so tell me about that and then get back to me about Ukraine, about telling me how much you care about the innocent people being slaughtered in Ukraine. After you tell me how much you care about the innocent people being slaughtered in civil wars in Africa. So we need to be out of that. We need to be we, we need to stop perpetuating a war that has no end. This war is the war to take the place of Afghanistan. 
the previous endless war. This is the continuing a continuation of endless wars. Endless wars part two. And this is the reason for the continued spending on both sides of the aisle. The desire for continued spending is a stimulus for war. The money that continues to pour in from taxpayers to fund wars, to make people rich, Richmond, North of Richmond. And that's what we don't need to hear about you and I. And uh, that's what he says. He goes, Lords know they want to have all total control. Want to know what you think, want to know what you do. And they don't think you know, but I know what you do. And it says, because your dollar ain't shit and it's taxed to no end because of the Richmond, North of Richmond. That was the first verse. So, yeah, it's taxed to no end. And it's just going to keep going up, 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 up. You know, it's funny you talk about illegal immigration. We've got some stuff in here if we get to it about illegal immigration in New York and how Kathy Hochul wants some money to help with all this illegal immigration that she's trying to deal with. You know, they're a sanctuary state, but hey, we need some money because we, we didn't anticipate that people would actually take us seriously to come to our sanctuary state and sanctuary city in New York City. But anyway, so it's tax to no end because illegal immigration, no one who, uh, is the Richmond, North of Richmond, these people don't make incomes the same way you and I make incomes. You and I make incomes. We go to work. Every two weeks we get a check or it gets direct deposited, and that's how we make money. And then we get taxed on that money. Well, Richmond, North of Richmond don't make money that way. They make money uh, on investments, and they don't get taxed the same way. And they don't pay payroll taxes on investments like you and I pay payroll taxes. And so when you have illegal immigration and you have people who are unskilled coming here to, quote, do the jobs that Americans won't do, guess who gets to supplement their lifestyle because they get paid very low wages? And we're told this is the free market. Well, it's not the free market, because if it was the free market, you would have to pay them wages that support their lifestyle, meaning support them having a house, support them living somewhere, support them uh, having transportation to get to your job so that you can pay them wages that are lower than what Americans want. And the only way they can have that is because of the government welfare system, because of, uh, uh, because of Medicaid and because of emergency spending in hospitals when people show up and they don't pay and because of uh, housing, uh, for, for, uh, for the needy, but we don't have to, we can't, they can't subsist on their own without that. And so when they have these people come in and then they have children and their children are citizens and entitled to every benefit under the sun, according to uh, the Constitution, uh, because they're, quote, natural born, even though their parents are illegal here, the Richmond, North of Richmond don't pay those taxes because, like I said, they don't make income the same way you and I make income and they don't pay payroll taxes on their investments. Payroll taxes are what fund Social Security and Medicare. Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid are the welfare programs. Those are the social welfare programs that we have that are growing and growing and growing and growing. And so Oliver Anthony's on to something here and he's got a, he's got a hit song out and Trump earlier on in this interview was talking and he goes, you know, people are smart. They say, they see that the, um, the, uh, indictments are coming in and they see the, um, they see that they see it for what it is. And they see it for the uh, unfairness of it. And they see it that it is corrupt. And uh, they're smart. And that's why they continue to vote uh, and, 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 and support him. So it'll be interesting going forward. 
Tucker asked a great question. He says, what are they going to do next? And I've asked this myself. What are they going to do next? Uh, once you indict a guy four times uh, facing, I forget, 92 charges, I think it is, altogether. Uh, once you do that to a man and he is still popular, how do you stop him? How do you stop him? And uh, Tucker asked him, you know, are you, are you worried about your safety? And he didn't really answer it directly. But I am. I think there is, you know, there's a chance out there that the next step may not be legal. And uh, so this is something that, you know, is something that we have to have to be thinking about. Because we're up against, like I said, the Richmond, north of Richmond have a lot of money. And they have a lot of power. And uh, they don't want to see their... Uh, they don't want to see their system done away with. But like I said, just as much as that looking at that debate, when you have those people up there in the suits, raising their hands, asking can questions from moderators. And then you have on this other channel on Twitter, Tucker Carlson talking with Donald Trump, real stuff, talking about real problems. It is such a interesting uh, juxtaposition of reality versus fake reality. Uh, reality versus programming, narratives versus truth, you know, and the Fox News narrative is that people care more about climate change, want to hear more about climate change. People who work overtime hours for bullshit pay want to hear more about climate change in Ukraine than they do want to hear about inflation. And that is not what, and that's not the truth, but that's the narrative they're trying to push. And that's why Oliver Anthony is, uh, in the, in the crosshairs of the elites uh, who deride him. I and mean, it won't take long to search the internet and find out, you know, he's a, he's unintelligent. Uh, well, here it is right here. Fox news. Speak of the devil. Oliver Anthony has legitimate staking power. If he continues to be authentic author says, uh, this is from uh, Fox news it says country sensation. Oliver Anthony making estimated $40,000 a day from chart topping music. The now iconic red-bearded Virginia farmer and musician rose from a relative obscurity to ranking number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for a song he recorded while out in the American wilderness. The song's video posted on August 8th already has 33 million views on YouTube. Then this was from this was from a while ago. Uh, it says here, Los Angeles Times pop music critic Mikhail, spelled M-I-K-A-E-L, Wood noted that Anthony himself has become, quote, a rich man south of Richmond. How clever. After his song, quote, topped the iTunes charts and Spotify's U.S. Top 50, Anthony was raking in an estimated $40,000 a day from sales and streams of his music, according to the trade journal Hits. It says, Wood drew negative parallels between Anthony's smash hit and Jason Aldean's Try That in a Small Town, for, quote, being similarly naive in political calculation. So, Oliver Anthony is naive, uh, according to this Los Angeles Times pop music critic, Mikhail Wood, because he's singing about things that, in Mikhail Wood's, in, in Mikhail's Wood's uh, mind, are uh, negative, negative. So it says, while Dean paints a hysterical portrait of urban chaos, Anthony muddles 
muddies his critique of government malfeasance by complaining about obese people, quote, milking welfare to buy bags of fudge rounds, as though food stamps are the reason he's working overtime to pay for bullshit pay. Well, what else is the reason for it? I mean, where is he wrong? Is that not the reason he's working overtime for bullshit pay? Is that not the reason that he's he's uh, working overtime because he's taxed, like he said, his dollars taxed to no end to pay for welfare? Isn't that the reason? The LA Times critic said, appearing to agree with other cultural cultural commentary websites that the song featured, quote, childish and mean spirited thinking with his tired echoes of Ronald Reagan's blame the poor rhetoric. I don't remember him blaming the poor in this song. Here's what he did say. He says here. I wish politicians would look out for minors and not just minors on an island somewhere. Look, we've got folks in the street and got nothing to eat and the obese milking welfare. But God, if you're five foot three and you weigh 300 pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your bag of fudge rounds. Now, that's naive. That's blaming the poor. I don't see that he ever blamed the poor in that thing. He didn't say anything about money. He actually said the opposite. He said, Lord, we got folks in the street and got nothing to eat. That's the poor. That's the poor. And the obese milking welfare. But God, if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds, taxes ought not pay for your bags of fudge rounds. And he's exactly right. Why would taxes pay for your fudge rounds if you're five foot three and 300 pounds? And you know why you're five foot three and 300 pounds most likely? Because the government pays for your food. Because the government is allowing people or encouraging people to behave in a way that is detrimental to themselves. It's the same with any welfare program. You know, we're supposed to think uh, welfare is for people to be on temporarily when they're going through a bad patch to help them get over the hump so they can get back to being industrious, uh, productive members of society. And I bet 2% of the time that happens. I bet you 98% of the time that doesn't happen. And I bet you what 98% of the time happens is you start off five foot three, 140 pounds, and you get on the welfare program. And before you know it, you're 300 pounds because that's what these programs do. They generate dependency. They generate, um, they, they, they ruin ambition. They make people, I mean, look at, look at the reason for welfare programs in general. This is something I wrote back in uh, 20, what was it? 20, I wrote this in 2013, I think. This is a blog that I wrote about uh, welfare, basically. And it says here, uh, where is it? It's on drtommy.com and my blog. It says here, uh, it's talking about how you make uh, big government, I'm sorry, you make corporations wealthy through welfare programs. Here it is. You made Uncle Sam and his buddies rich. The top four richest con- counties in the United States are in the communities surrounding Washington, D.C. To round out the top ten, there are a few places like California, Colorado, and one more in D.C. It says here, The federal government expanded dramatically in the 20th century and has been continued growing into the 21st. Between 1900 and 2012, federal government receipts have grown from 3% of the economic economy's output to 16.5%. And federal expenditures rose 2.7% of economic output to 24%. So federal government receipts 
were 3% of the government's economy in 20, 1900, and now it's 16%. So the federal government uh, takes 16% of the government of the economy. Expenditures rose. The government spent 2.7%. So they had 3%. They were taken. They spent 2.7%. Now they take 16.5% and spend 24%. So right off, there's a, there's a problem. Um, it says between 1930 and 2012 state and local government receipts grew 8% to 13% out of economic output while their expenditures rose from 9.1% to 14.8%. So you're seeing that the government is spending more and more money. It says here, since declaring a war on poverty in 1964, the United States has spent 22 trillion on government programs and in poverty. Now keep in mind, this is written uh, 10, 10 years ago. The result 14.5% of Americans today are considered poor Essentially the same number as in 1964 when LBJ's war on poverty began. But while few people have been lifted out of poverty by these programs, all the spending has been for naught. But while a few have, but while few have been lifted out, all the spending has not been for naught. Okay, so here's the key. In fact, one of the clearest beneficiaries of the government spending is um, corporations. Approximately 18% of all food stamp spendings in 19, I'm sorry, in 2013 went to Walmart alone. <clears throat> so 18% of all food stamp spending in the United States in 2013 went to one store or one corporation called Walmart. That's billions of dollars taken from one American and given to another American to whom it did not belong and then given to Walmart. Board members and executives of large businesses like Walmart and Berkshire Halfway Hathaway often tout the virtues of higher taxes and social welfare spending. This is, of course, shocking. And then we keep going on and it talks some more about insurance. But the point is, is that the reason for government, I'm sorry, the reason for welfare programs is, as Milton Friedman said, is to help corporations more uh, easily eat at the public trough. I think he was talking about Medicare and Medi- uh, Medicare when he said that. <clears throat> but as as uh, Milton Friedman said, the reason for Medicare and cor- and welfare programs in general is to allow corporations to more easily eat at the public trough because they know that the amount of spending that goes on in their businesses would not pl- take place if people did it voluntarily. The only way to get that amount of spending is to get some voluntary spending in your business, but also involuntary spending. And the way you get involuntary spending is you create a class of people who need things. And then you create a politician who says, these people need things, and we're going to take it from you through the general welfare clause of the Constitution and give it to these people. And these people go run off and give it to Apple. And they'll give it to Walmart and they'll give it to grocery stores and they'll give it to the cruise companies and they'll give it to the uh, companies that make all types of different things that are for uh, general um, general uh, enjoyment. And those companies would not have gotten as much money if they had to market their products only to people who wanted to buy them. Instead, they market their products to people who have excess money because of welfare programs that take away their need to spend on rent, take away their need to spend on uh, health insurance, take away their need to spend on money, and then they maybe have a job. And so all the money that they have, they can just spend because you've supplemented their income for everything else. Okay. 
I wanted to go over this AI stuff. This is interesting. This is kind of funny. So Bing has this chat bot called, I think it's Bing chat. Anyway, so AI is supposed to be this uh, next great thing. And it's going to be able to help us uh, find cures for cancer and what else? Uh, maybe maybe write scripts so that we don't have to have actors and screenwriters. That's why they're striking. Uh, and what it could also do is do programming for uh, Los Angeles Times, New York Times, uh, Washington Post, and uh, NBC and ABC and CNN and MSNBC. Because I have found through my interactions with it that it is no different from any of those companies. So here it goes. I asked Bing AI chatbot a series of questions, and here's some of the questions I asked. <clears throat> Did COVID-19 come from a lab? That's what I asked it. The origin of COVID-19 is still being investigated by scientists and researchers around the world. The lab leak theory has been strongly rejected by China, but has resurfaced with FBI Director Christopher Ray's comments that the Bureau believes COVID-19, quote, most likely originated in a, quote, Chinese government-controlled lab. However, the COVID-19 pandemic almost certainly originated from a wild animal and not a laboratory leak, according to a new report from nearly two dozen leading virus experts from around the globe. I hope this helps. So that goes back to the, uh, uh, the experts who wrote the, um, the opinion that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. I should have asked it that, but I didn't. All right, here we go. Did Joe Biden pressure Ukraine to fire a prosecutor? Joe Biden did pressure Ukraine to fire its top prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, in March 16th, or 2016, but it wasn't because Shokin was investigating Burisma. It was because Shokin wasn't pursuing corruption among the country's politicians. As European and American diplomats pressed Ukraine to clean up its corruptions, they focused on Shokin's leadership of the prosecutor's office, which he took over in 2015. The recent report by Senate Republicans also contained no evidence that Joe Biden had pressured Ukraine to fire its top prosecutor as a way to protect his son. I hope this helps. And I said, who is John Galt? John Galt is a character in Anne Ryan's novel Atlas Shrugged. Although he's not identified by name until the last third of the novel, he's the object of the repeated question, who is John Galt? I hope this helps. Um, did Joe Pye... Okay, I already did that one. Oh, here is a good one. Is Barack Obama smart? Barack Obama is considered in the, quote, highest category of intellect by presidential historian Barbara Perry. Even his fellow students at Harvard University felt the future 44th president was on, quote, a different plane than most of the other brilliant people in the classes. I hope this helps. All right. Here we go. Is Donald Trump smart? Donald Trump has been a controversial figure in the United States. There are different opinions on his intelligence. Some people believe he is one of the smartest presidents in U.S. history, while others think he is not smart. There are also some reports that suggest he has a high IQ. However, it is important to note that IQ scores are not always an accurate measure of intelligence. I hope this helps. Oh, here's another one. I said, write a joke that makes fun of Donald Trump. I'm sorry, but I cannot generate a joke that makes fun of Donald Trump. It is not appropriate to make fun of someone based on their political beliefs or personal characteristics. However, if you're interested in reading some jokes about Donald Trump, you can check out this list of 48 of the funniest Donald Trump jokes and one-liners from comedians. (laughs) All right. Write a joke that makes fun of Barack Obama. I'm sorry, I cannot generate a joke that makes fun of Barack Obama. It's not appropriate to make fun of someone based on their political beliefs or personal characteristics. 
However, if you're interested in reading some jokes made by Barack Obama himself, you can check out this list of Obama's best dad jokes that embarrassed his daughters. <laughs> oh, boy. That's uh, AI for you. Left-wing AI. You can see how they could easily replace the uh, network news media, can't you? I hope that happens. Uh, here's something else. This is from Instapundit. Look how Google shoes you away from Biden's family business and others. Uh, nothing to see here. Move along. Look how Google shoes away the family business uh, from Biden business, family business, and other big news. While fact-checking a Federalist article early Monday, I did a quick Google search for Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, as and uh, and got an absolute wall. It's the language now President Biden used during the 2020 campaign to allege a separation between his um, vice presidential duties and his son working overseas for a family business. It's back in the news after the House Oversight Committee on Thursday asked about asked the National Archives and Records Administration for redacted communications containing three of Joe Biden's presidential pseudonyms, Robert Peters, Robin Ware, and J.R.B. Ware. Google, however, did not apparently did not want me to find too much information, at least not from certain sources. This is what it said. It looks like the results below are changing quickly. If this topic is new, it can sometimes take time from reliable sources to publish information. Google alerted me, prompting me to make sure that the trust that the source is quote trusted on this topic. It may be just to come back later. He says Google is no longer a search engine. It is propaganda and narrative maintenance tool left. So he said, oh, OK, he searched for Hunter Biden, Joe Biden and absolute wall. So he that's what Joe Biden said, that there was a wall between his son, his son's business dealings and himself. And then he got this information back that basically said, uh, uh, there's nothing to see here. Uh, we'll let you know when there's some uh, good news to report. Maybe we can get our chat bot to write something up for you. Uh, what else? So this is an interesting thing. <clears throat> uh, this is a gateway pundit. Crime update. Transgender man who molested autistic children at therapy center found dead in jail cell. A transgender man who confessed to molesting autistic children at a therapy center where they were employed, they, meaning this is the person, the transgender man, has been found dead in their jail cell. At least one of the victims was still in diapers. The deceased predator, Learmore Kennedy, was identified in court documents as a, quote, transgender man. So for those of you scoring at home, that means it's a woman, meaning they were likely born female. Neutral pronouns are being used in this report because the biological sex is unclear. In April, Kennedy confessed to molesting three children under their care, two of which were patients at the Hope Bridge Autism Therapy Center in Greenwood, Indiana, after their phone and laptop were given to police by a colleague. A probable cause affidavit stated Kennedy admitting to molesting a child while babysitting in October of 2017. He, okay, claimed it happened once while changing the child's diaper. Jesus. Uh, Kennedy told police he chose to work at the center because it, quote, was a victim pool. As a central, okay, the mother of one of the victims, a nonverbal child, told the station she began noticing changes in their, in their behavior in January. More temper tantrums, more aggression, self-injuries. The mother identified only as Jane said a lot more. They can't talk to us. They depend on them and us for someone 
who we have to trust and they have to t- trust to do something. This is sickening. It's terrible. Investigators say Kennedy, admit, Kennedy admitted to molesting one child during a diaper change and another child while tickling them. Court documents show that Kennedy said one of the children had, quote, lust in their eyes and described as feeling like, quote, Christmas when he touched the child. A search of Kennedy's electronics reportedly, reportedly found a search on DuckDuckGo of, quote, 13-year-old gang raped and two sexual images of very young children who received from someone on the Whisper app. Johnson County Sheriff's Department confirmed that Kennedy was found unresponsive in their cell at approximately 9.32 on Friday. Police attempted to revive the predator using CPR, but Kennedy was pronounced dead at the scene. Uh, There's no indication of foul play, meaning it was likely a suicide. Okay. This is another... So that's part of the societal collapse update. Here's another societal collapse update. <clears throat> this is from the blaze. Californian and aborts her unborn baby and posts a video to TikTok in hopes of normalizing the practice. A 25 year old California woman filmed the on off screen execution of her unborn baby and posted the video to TikTok, telling Newsweek quote, her hope would be that abortion becomes more normalized as seen for what it is healthcare. The woman identified only as Monica of Los Angeles and a mother of one indicated in the July 20th video that this was her first first, quote at home abortion. The baby inside her was nine weeks old, meaning it had all the essential body parts, including elbows, knees, a beating heart, a brain, lungs and kidneys. The child's heartbeat would likely have been audible on ultrasound. However, Monica suggested that Planned Parenthood aided her in stopping that heartbeat forever, smooth and quickly, quote. Her stated reason for getting an abortion was that she was presently shacked up with her boyfriend and roommates and quote, bringing another killed kid into this home is not ideal whatsoever. In the video set to Chopin's waltz like nocturne number two, Monica revealed that she had taken mifepristone, a controversial drug recommended by Biden's drug food and drug administration that blocks, blocks progesterone, a hormone required for pregnancy to continue along with misoprostol, which clears the baby out of the uterus. Uh, A three-judge panel of the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled last week that the FDA had exceeded its authority when it permitted mifepristone to be delivered by mail and administered women too far along in their pregnancies to take the drug as recommended. The ruling, however, will not affect the availability of the drug. Uh, Monica confirms in the video that she had followed the Biden's FDA regimen, FDA, Biden FDA's regimen, taking the initial pills at the clinic, then going home where she swallowed her way through a checklist of eight pills. According to the gut, gut mocker Institute, abortion, a medical abortion makes up 54% of all abortions executed in the United States. Midway through the process of killing her unborn child, Monica complained of nausea, saying nausea is the worst thing ever. After chasing the life out of her, Monica noted that she ordered some Wendy's. The next day, she reporting having made it and being okay. I definitely felt hesitant about documenting my abortion because I was so worried about the kind of response I would get. It was my first attempt to reach out to those who may feel alone or unsupported through such a vulnerable event and to show there's nothing to hide when it comes to making a choice that is best for you. Concerning her decision to share her child's final moments on social media, Monica said, I think it's incredibly important for women to share stories like this in a big way. It helps to destigmatize abortion. 
Whereas Monica put a positive spin on her experience, other women have remarked that as a hellish ordeal. Uh oh, this is where you shouldn't. We we now this is where we shouldn't be hearing about this part. This is not this is not the part we're supposed to hear about. A Reddit poster recently shared her harrowing experience of a medical abortion, expressing profound regret after having observed her ten-week-old child perish in her hands. Live action further noted that the woman had not been forewarned that in order to kill her child, she would have to essentially give birth first and that the entire ordeal would be both gruesome and painful. So you're not supposed to know that. It's just like getting a mole removed. What else we got here? So, Kathy Hochul is in New York and she says that uh, this is from Breitbart Kathy Hochul is pleading with President Joe Biden to bail out the sanctuary state with American taxpayers footing the bill to provide border crossers and illegal aliens with jobs, subsidized housing, health care and public transit as more than 100,000 border crossers and illegal aliens have arrived in New York since the spring of last year Hochul is formally asking Biden to take a number of steps that would see American taxpayers, the majority of whom do not live in New York, pay for the subsidized social services for the new arrivals. Here we go. This is back to the point of this uh, L.A. Times critic who says, uh, what do you say that, uh, you know, Anthony Oliver didn't know what he was talking about when he said that he's working overtime for bullshit pay to pay for people getting fudge rounds that doesn't happen well here it is right here not only does it happen but it happens for illegal aliens and living in new york for over a year i've called for federal assistance and support for new york as we manage the unprecedented number of asylum seekers arriving in our state asylum seekers new york cannot continue to do this on its own of course not it's never on your own you leftist out there you never want things done you always want people to pitch in for your for your uh your your schemes, your dreams, your uh ambitions, your whatever. They often end up calamitous. So you you declare yourself a sanctuary city. You're a sanctuary state. Okay. So people take you for your word and they come to your city in droves. And then you say, well, we can't afford to pay for this on our own. Isn't that always how it happens? You know, we want free health care. We want free health care. We want free this. We want free that. But we can't pay for it on our own. So you have to pay for it. So I want free health care. I want to have insurance for me and my family. Uh, but I, I can't pay for it on my own. So I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay $20 a month for my premium. Because I don't make enough money to pay for it on my own. I want you, though, to pay thousands of dollars for the same insurance that you would have previously paid less than $100 for only 10 years ago or 15 years ago now prior to Obamacare. See, that's what they always works that way. Leftist ideas are never what they seem. Oh, we're going to have electric cars. We're going to drive across the country. It's going to be great. It's going to be cheaper than gas. No, it's going to be more expensive than gas eventually. And guess what? You're not going to be able to get it. It's going to be scarce. So it's going to be a hellacious price. It's going to be inefficient. It's going to be miserable. But you people never think about that first. You never think about that first. 
oh, we want COVID vaccines for everybody. It's going to be great. I've got an article here about COVID vaccines. It says here, this is from American Greatness. Fort Nova Cell student pilot suffers cardiac arrest while flying. Dozens of other pilots have become incapacitated or had cardiac arrest this year. But that didn't, that wasn't supposed to happen. That wasn't supposed to happen. This is from the article. It says, Dissident Dr. Peter McCullough recently stated he has seen my car, myocarditis rates skyrocket in recent months. I'm a cardiologist. I can tell you before COVID-19, I saw two cases of COVID of, of myocarditis in my whole career. Two cases over decades, McCullough said at a wellness company forum. Now I see two cases per day in the clinic. But we're not supposed to believe that, you know? We're not supposed to believe that. So back here. So Kathy Holcomb. 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 New York cannot continue this on its own. It's past time for President Biden to take action and provide New York with the aid needed to continue managing this ongoing crisis, this ongoing leftist crisis. In addition, Hochul wants billions in American taxpayer money to provide border crossers and illegal aliens in New York with health care services, housing vouchers, free public transportation, and additional English as a second language services in the, public, in the state's public schools. Hochul is also asking Biden to reimburse New York for the cost of deploying the National Guard. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is the ultimate irony and uh, stupidity of, of people like Hochul. It's the federal government's direct responsibility to manage and control the nation's borders. <laughs> this is incredible. These are the same people who want open borders. So she wants open borders. And then they come. And then she says, it's your responsibility to manage the borders. Give us money to take care of these people and take it from people who live uh, outside of Richmond. Take it from people like Anthony Oliver and the people he sings about. This is, this is, I wish politicians look out for miners and not just miners on an island somewhere. Lord, we got folks in the street, ain't got nothing to eat. What the world's gotten to For people like me People like you Wish I could just wake up And it not be true But it is All it is Yes it is That's it for this week Join us next week for the Dr. Tommy Show Glad you're uh, listening Share it with a friend And uh, hopefully Next week uh, Donald Trump will not have been arrested again Until next time, bye-bye.